0: everyone was discovering golf during COVID you discovered fling golf I found that fascinating Mm -hmm. you know it was the two the two biggest industries uh, let me say that the two Mm -hmm. industries that exploded during COVID seemed to be golf and podcasting and I was lucky to be part of both (laughs) of those well i'd hit a five iron it's like no no i'm not asking what club to hit it because you and i don't hit the five iron the same distance i'm curious what's your approach on playing this hole and they're like what are you talking about
1: hey flangers it's showtime. just wanted to
0: thank you for listening to today's episode of future of the fairway which is brought to you by the American Classic Golf Club, the home of the first World League Fling Golf Tournament. The American Classic is a nine hole family owned golf course located in the or Rehoboth Beach areas of Southern Delaware. So if you're ever on vacation or ever in the area for whatever reason, we would love for you to swing on by and give our track a try. And hey, you never know who you might run into. But anyways, we hope to see you around and don't forget you got to aim high to let it fly.
1: And welcome once again to the Future of the Fairway podcast with your host, Adam Copeland. Thank you so much again for tuning in. I am glad that you are here, and I am very excited for this, our 20th episode, to be airing, and for my guest... Fred Green uh, to be joining me. Uh, Fred Green is the host and executive producer of the Golf Smarter podcast, which is one of the longest running golf podcasts out there. Uh, It was also ranked the fifth best golf podcast of 2022. Uh, I've got a link to that in the uh, uh, episode details, so be sure to check that out as well as uh, links to Fred's podcast. Um, In his podcast, he really focuses upon the mental game and the mental aspects of golf. And I think you're going to find it really fascinating to, one, hear about his background, how he got into golf, and what he's been doing with that, uh, the conversations he has, the guests that he has. um, And we we really just had a a great wide-ranging discussion. Uh, It was a lot of fun to interview uh, a fellow podcaster. Um, So, Really hope you, that you uh, enjoy that uh, with him uh, today. I'd also highly recommend tuning into his podcast. Um, he's got a whole library of um, the episodes. He's been doing a weekly podcast for years. Um, there's a lot of really great content about the mental game, the mental approach to golf that I think is highly applicable to fling golfers. Um, it's definitely something that I've uh, tried to take it take to heart and to practice on and to get ready for, particularly as we get ready for the San Diego Open, which is right around the corner uh, from the airing of this episode. Um, And I'm really excited to see a bunch of you out there. Um, So, well, maybe not everybody needs to go and listen to that to get extra tips on the mental focus. Maybe wait until after San Diego um, and then you can really focus in uh, on that, but uh, maybe give you know some the rest of us a chance. <laughs> anyway, uh, really excited for uh, today's episode with Fred. Um, and with that, let's get into it. All right, I would like to welcome Fred Green to the future of the fairway podcast. Fred, how are you doing?
0: I'm doing well. Thanks so much, Adam, for having me
1: hey you're welcome and thanks for joining i um uh reached out to you over uh the holidays and uh, end of december 22 and um you were gracious enough to to join to find out um i, I was really uh, struck by um uh your podcast you had recently i think i came across it when you had um jordan uh lunetta from odin golf who um, you had. who i also uh interviewed so um uh, it was cool to get to listen to the two of you talk, and um, and then you know do a bit of a deep dive into your podcasting prowess. I would say so. Lots of questions for you uh, with your uh, with your golf podcast. But so uh, okay, my the,
0: my question before us is, who had Jordan on first, me or you?
1: You did. I think. Good. Um, okay, let's yeah, carry yeah. on. <laughs> <laughs> he had um, he had recently pulled in uh, one of our uh, our top rated fling golfer um to join odin and uh and so i saw his um it was actually a linkedin post where he had shared that and i was like oh i'm getting jordan on too so uh he'll be distributing that that conversation and uh, he was uh, our final one for the uh, for 2022 great guy i'm really impressed with that company and i really really
0: like the product i really do like the product (laughs) i was talking to a golf buddy friend of mine the other day and he goes yeah but you were so hooked into playing the pro v1x for mm-hmm. so long, it's like, well, yeah, because I live next to a golf course and I get balls in my backyard almost every day. So I get to choose what <laughs> ball I want to play. And for the last ten years of of getting free golf balls, I've fallen in love with the Pro V1X. But these Odin golf balls are replacing them for me. I'm That's cool. That's high, high praise. Are
1: um, are you based in California?
0: Yes, I'm in Northern California, just uh, in Marin County, just north of okay. San Francisco.
1: Okay. All right, very cool. Uh, so, what's your background in golf? What what instigated you to want to uh, create a golf podcast?
0: Um, so, I started playing golf in my forties. Uh, my younger son was twelve years old and going to a summer camp, and he went. We sent him to a golf camp, and there was no mm-hmm. golf in our life, in our lives, in our world, in our home. It was just uh, I had been involved in sports marketing for most of my kids' lives. But okay. I had only done one event in golf, and it was just like I wasn't a golfer at the time, so I really wasn't paying attention. Um, but one uh, after his first day at camp, he came home and said, hey, can I teach you what I learned today? I'm like, well, of course you can, at 12 years old. You know, <laughs> he's like, of course you can teach. What did you learn today? And he goes, they taught us about etiquette. I'm like, wait, you? Wait, what? <laughs> uh, you learned about etiquette and remembered it? oh my gosh Uh, yes I would love to learn what you learned today (laughs) so we went out to the we went out to the uh practice putting green at the place where he was going to camp which was actually Mm -hmm. just down the street from us and um we started putting around and he showed me about walking on the line and various things and I don't know what it was but I just got hooked I loved it and then we Mm -hmm. went to the driving range I started hitting balls I'm like oh this could be interesting and then, um, so started playing then and just fell okay. in love with the sport and got completely hooked on it. Uh, at the time, like I said, I, was, I had been in sports marketing for 20 plus years. Mm-hmm. And um, before that, I was in radio, um, which is what led me to podcasting. I was a radio okay. junkie since I was a kid. And I always thought that I was going to spend my life in radio. Um, but the sports thing came along and I worked with the NFL and the NBA and Major League Baseball and the WWF at the time, now WWF, uh-huh. um, and did a lot of work in, in that realm. Um, so I was looking for to create a new idea. I'd always seemed to find uh, create ideas based on my passion at the moment and make a living out of it. Very mm-hmm. lucky to have actually... Lucky to come up with some decent ideas, but even luckier to have a Mm -hmm. wife that supported my ideas when she believed in them. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. she was always a great barometer for that. And so I thought about, like, what can I do in golf? And I realized that whenever I would walk up to – when I was playing golf, I would walk up to the tee box. And if I wasn't familiar with the course, I would say to whoever my playing partner was, Mm -hmm. well, how do you play this hole? What would you do? What's your target? And they're like, well, I'd hit a 5-iron here. and It's like, no, no, I'm not asking what club to hit because mm-hmm. you and I don't hit the 5-iron the same distance. I'm curious, what's your approach on playing this hole? And they're like, what are you talking about? I'm like, am I missing something <laughs> here? You know, a strategic approach to playing. So um, I had this idea of creating videos uh, on shot-by-shot shot guide on how to play a course. Now, granted, oh, okay. this was in 2004, 3- so this was before. This is when iPod. No, the iPods were brand new. Okay? okay. Yeah. And they had just come out with a video iPod when I was producing my first mm-hmm. thing. I was thinking, okay, we're going to print these little DVDs and give little DVD players on the golf cart <laughs> and, and a screen. And they're like, "What are you talking mm-hmm. about? You know, you got to oh wait, iPods. You know, now there's iPod mm-hmm. videos. So we created one video um as a demo uh, at a mm-hmm. course called the the course at wenty vineyards up here in northern california out in livermore and um it came out pretty good and so i started marketing it to to golf courses and I, nobody was interested i couldn't get a conversation going with anybody
1: uh-huh. uh,
0: and you know, i didn't know enough about the industry to realize that you know golf courses don't have money for marketing unless they're developing a brand new golf course and then once the golf course is open all the money goes to maintenance of the course so mm-hmm. you know I'm thinking what am I going to do so there was this new thing at the time called podcasting and mm-hmm. I'm like well wait a maybe if I just call these people and say hey I'd love to do an infomercial about your golf course Let's talk about how you know your three favorite holes and how to play them, and tell me about your services mm-hmm. and your amenities. And I'm going to record that infomercial and stick it on the internet, and we're going to call it a podcast, and, and put it on iTunes. And they're like, <laughs> uh-huh. "What's a podcast?" And then right. you're like, "Wait, okay, now that you've explained a podcast as a kind of a radio show, but it's on the internet, what's iTunes?" Mm-hmm. And this is how early this was. (laughs) Nobody had a clue what I was talking about. So I started putting these shows. And to to create the podcast, I called a friend of mine that I worked with in radio in San Francisco, a guy named Leo Laporte, who, if you're a podcast listener, you may know the name of uh, This Week in Tech. Leo Mm -hmm. was one of the first podcasters, still going strong. And um, he and I had lunch together. And I said, how do you start a podcast? What do you do? And so he gave me some advice. And I took it. And I launched this podcast, and the first guest that I had, based on Leo's suggestion of make sure that the first person you have on your show has a name that is recognizable mm-hmm. so that maybe you'll attract some attention. So I had Dr. Joseph Parent, the author of Zen Golf, as oh, uh, wow. episode number one. And he's like, what's iTunes? What a, what's a podcast? <laughs> but I'm happy to talk about my book. Whenever I get yeah, an opportunity, yeah. I'll talk about the book. And so I started doing these shows, and then thinking, okay, now I'm going to use this as a way to open doors for this video idea.
1: Mm-hmm. And I would
0: call courses and say, "Hey, I'd love to interview you about the course." And then, like I said, the amenities, your three favorite holes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then while I was doing the interview, I would stop and go, "Okay, we're going to take a time out for a commercial break here." We at the time, but I needed a a (laughs) natural break. And I would ask the person who I was interviewing, how are you you doing? Mm -hmm. Oh, this is really good. I'm really enjoying this. I said, you know, I also do this on video for courses like yours. We create videos. And you go, oh, really? Send me a proposal. Aha. I got the door open. So the podcasting idea opened the door for me. And long story short, which is always difficult when you ask me a question, um, which was that I started building this audience of people I was interviewing
1: mm-hmm.
0: but I never got a golf course to say yes we'll do it <laughs> um, and I even I was having conversations with a, a major golf course uh management company mm-hmm. that's based in Florida and they have a T in the beginning of their name and then mm-hmm. and at the end mm-hmm. of it and and you know they were like oh we're really interested in this idea can you do it for all our courses and i'm like i would love to do it for all your courses all right well let's see what we can do and they they hired me to produce a video about a course they were developing and i interviewed various of their course managers mm-hmm. it never took off but i'm getting emails from all over the world going hey i'm really enjoying your podcasting your your podcast golf smarter mm-hmm. and we you know um don't really care about these courses you're talking about because I'm never going to play there, but keep interviewing teachers and, and authors and mental oh, game coaches. Okay, like, yeah. Okay. So that's how that kind of developed and, and just kind of took off from there. And Golf Smarter uh, became an obsession for me because now I'm getting free golf lessons um, by interviewing golf <laughs> instructors. Right. And that was uh, I start. I launched the first Golf Smarter episode. Number one was in December of two thousand five, and here we are at twenty twenty three. And I just launched my eighteenth eighteenth year of doing this, and I've missed mm-hmm. on a, for a weekly podcast. I think I've missed four weeks total since I started doing it. Wow! So this week was eight wow. episode eight hundred seventy seven.
1: Wow. That's awesome. That's awesome. You. What's, what's your rhythm on that? Uh, are you you doing uh, weekly recordings or do you do you bank interviews and then uh, edit them later and then make sure you, you know, get that rhythm?
0: Uh, sometimes I'll bank three or four in a week, uh, get a couple weeks ahead of time just to have them there. Mm-hmm. Um, and then realize like, I did that uh, because I knew we were traveling at the end of the year, mm-hmm. and that's an excellent thing that you did when you introduced me. You mentioned that you talked to me at the end of 2022. That's a good thing for podcasters because people don't always listen at the that's time right. that yeah. you release it, so that was a good call. So Anyway, um, I realized we were going to you know, be with family and then traveling, so I wanted mm-hmm. to get a couple of weeks ahead and we came back from our travel and i knew that i had one show ready to go but next week the next two weeks i'm traveling because i'm going to the pga merchandise show and we're mm-hmm. going to a family mm-hmm. wedding so we're going to florida and i'll be gone for a week and a half and i don't have any episodes ready to go so i started sending out emails booked three interviews and mm-hmm. so you know it's it, sometimes it's last minute lots of times it's Lots of sure, for sure. Lots of well,
1: you know what? One of the things that uh, I thought was impressive, and uh, I don't know how you handled this kind of volume, but you've got a link right on your website. Uh, and anybody that finds that link can submit to say, hey, why don't you interview me for uh, for your podcast? And it gives you a little bit of – I don't know what kinds of uh, uh, random uh, people like me have emailed you. Um,
0: but, uh, I didn't even uh, know I had that I, link on there. So. <laughs> That's how you found me. Okay, good. It is. It is.
1: <laughs> so, uh, yeah, no, that thing that's that's uh, that's pretty cool. Um, lots of questions. Uh, so, PJ show is I think January week of January twenty third, twenty fourth, in Orlando. Uh, we've got some uh, some folks that are going to be down there. Will right. uh, Will you be down there for interviews? Uh, we just we have a booth. What What's uh, your plan for? that show
0: you know i have been wanting to do this show as long as i've been doing the podcast and it's almost almost pulled the trigger you know i'm on the west coast it's Mm -hmm. on the east coast i'm a podcaster it costs money to do this thing you know and and Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. as as i have consulted with a lot of people if you want to get into podcasting don't do it because you want to make money um (laughs) chances of making any money let alone paying for your and for me it's always going to pay for my golf for the year maybe (laughs) right but uh, i've always wanted to go to the pga merchandise show i've never had the opportunity was going to go last year and then covid raised its ugly little head uh, one more time so i had to cancel um but uh now because we have this family wedding uh, in in florida i'm like okay and it's the weekend before the show it's like i've got to. oh nice my wife is like, yeah. you have just just do it. You've finally been wanting to do this. <laughs> so my plan is to uh, walk the show floor, look for interesting products okay. and interesting people, and capture interviews on the show floor and do reviews of products and things that I think might be interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've written to a number of people that have been on the show asking if they're going to be there. So I get to meet a lot of mm-hmm. people that I've talked to for years, but oh, never nice. get to meet them face to face. So it's really just um, – an adventure for me. I'm not really sure. And, I, and as mm-hmm. I'm getting closer, and more people requesting time to be with me or be interviewed, I'm like, oh, I gotta schedule this thing. This is gonna be, it's gonna be very <laughs> right. demanding. And then go to my hotel room and produce content that night. Do I really want to do it? Right, right. Yeah, I think I'm gonna have to. <laughs> yeah, I think I really have to. So.
1: Uh, I um I actually started uh, a registration for uh, a media uh, as a to get a media pass for that. Cause there was a, a small window where I thought maybe I could fly down for a couple of days. Um, I'm in Virginia, so um, okay. it, it, it's theoretically doable, but, um, I, I've also got a real job. Um, that's not, <laughs> not podcasting about fling off. So I've got to balance that out. Um, yeah,
0: exactly. And that, uh, <laughs> that's the thing about podcasting is it's how much time do you really want to spend doing this? Mm-hmm. Um, be mm-hmm. careful what you get yourself into because you didn't realize you had to become a vid- an audio producer and now a video producer. Um, right, and right. that is what I think pushes more people away from podcasting than anything is they love the idea of doing these interviews and learning, but mm-hmm. they mm-hmm. Had never intended to be a, a producer. And if you know, that ends up taking over their life, um, mm-hmm. and they mm-hmm. get away from the content creation and get bogged down with the logistics of creation. Um, and yeah. for me, as someone who loves audio production and has loved audio production since I was a kid, I mean, I mm-hmm. made first money I made doing audio production, I was 15, uh, back in the 70s doing outgoing phone messages for people. I've been doing audio production ever since. Wow. Uh, I had a national radio syndication that I created and produced. And podcasting, I've done, th- produced thousands of episodes of podcasts mm-hmm. for various people as well as myself.
1: And we will be right back after this message from our sponsor. This episode of Future of the Fairway podcast is sponsored by Yada Golf. Yada Golf and Flink Golf are a perfect pair. Both value inclusion, encouragement, passion, and being your whole self. Yada Golf has the best line of men's and women's golf shirts you'll find out there. I love the feel and texture of my polos, as well as their eye-catching designs. I'm currently rotating through Vintage King, Light Wave, and Fresh Flavors. and My favorite is whichever one I'm wearing that day. They've got premium polos for those who want to stand out on the golf course, and premium polos for those who want to keep a lower profile. Yada Golf. Master the shirt game. Conquer the short game. And now, back to the future of the Fairway Podcast. So did you start uh, on that production side? You weren't behind a mic initially? Always thought I was
0: going to be a disc jockey. Um, Like, from the time I was nine years old, it's like, I want to be a disc jockey. I want (laughs) to be a disc jockey. (laughs) Um, And uh, did it in high school, did it in college. Mm -hmm. But was always writing and creating goofy little things as well. And then when I uh, – my day I graduated college and I went to study radio and television at San Francisco mm-hmm. State, uh, the day I graduated, I was on the air as a DJ in San Francisco. And, like, my friends are like, why isn't Fred here at the graduation? Where's Fred? like, he's on the air today. It's like, wow. So I got to fulfill that dream. How and cool. then uh, two years later, I'm like, okay, I suck at this. And – it's, you know, it's not what I had hoped it would be. I wanted mm. to play the records I wanted to play and I wanted mm. to do, you know, say what I wanted to say. And then I got a job as a DJ going, okay, here's the list of records, play them in order and don't talk. It's like, okay, mm. yeah, this is, this is not a creative challenge for me. Yeah. So yeah. I got another job as a production director in San Francisco and, had, you know, stayed there uh, for another six, seven years. So did 10 okay. years of radio in San Francisco before I left to go out on my own.
1: Mm-hmm. So you, you said you were in sports marketing for a bit um yeah. was that what you went towards when you went off on your own and what yeah. did that involve
0: Yeah So um while I was uh, working in radio one of the assignments that I had as the production director of this these two radio stations was uh I was the engineer for a guy named John Madden of you know the Madden oh, wow. Madden football yeah. yeah that that John Madden uh-huh. I was his engineer for about four years, and we would record two, three times a week. Um, We'd record before. He had a three, four-minute piece on the RKO radio network at the time. And so I would record it, produce it, send it down the line to RKO in New York. And he and I would, like I said, he would record two, three times a week, four-minute shows, but we would talk for two hours almost every single time. And he was like one of the greatest mentors I ever had. And so I was telling him about all these goofy ideas that I had. And he's like, "Oh, you got to turn that into a business. It's like, yeah, thank you, coach, but <laughs> I don't see how you know you can sustain that idea doing a business." And he's like, No, oh, you got it. so for years, we went back and forth with that. Mm-hmm. And finally, I came up with an idea. Uh, we were the flagship radio station for the Oakland A's baseball team. I came mm-hmm. up with an idea for the Oakland A's that kind of worked. Turned into uh, I did it, I syndicated it on their network for one year, and the next year mm-hmm. I took it on national basis because it went well. It was called Radio Baseball Cards. Did that one year um, with Hall of Fame, uh, Hall of Fame pitcher Don Drysdale was the host of that, and wow. then in 2017 we only did one year. We did 162 mm-hmm. episodes as a pregame show, and then uh, I brought it back in 2017, releasing each episode once a week in f- over four years of baseball season and turn that oh, into wow. a podcast. That was So that was it cool. is out there as a podcast called Radio <laughs> Baseball Cards. <laughs> but then um, when I left the radio station, I was still doing some work with the Oakland A's, and their vice president of marketing, a guy named Andy Dolich at the time, called me and said, hey, I need an idea that has something to do with the fans and broadcasting. What can you come up with? I'm like, okay. <clears throat> what? Why are you calling me? He goes, well, I've seen you have a lot of energy, yeah. you're creative, and thought I'd give it a shot. I'm like, okay. So I came up with this idea that I got 20 years out of, which was called Fantasy Play-by-Play, where we set up a broadcast booth on the press level at the stadium, and fans can go in and not broadcast, but sit in the booth, watch Mm -hmm. the monitor, watch the game, and do play-by-play of the game for a full inning. Um, And it went over really well, and the press loved it. And so the next year – So we did this at the end of the 1987 season for the Oakland A's. Okay. Um, and then in 1988, I did it for the Oakland A's again, and, but it was called Bud Light Fantasy Play-By-Play this year. So Budweiser sponsored it. That's nice. And the Pittsburgh Pirates hired me, and they did it as Iron City Beer, of course, Fantasy <laughs> Play-By-Play. Um, and then at the end of that year, the Oakland A's were in the uh, playoffs and ended up going to the World mm-hmm. Series the year they lost to the Dodgers. I don't want um, and so uh, when when it went to to the, when they went to the playoffs when they were in the uh, ALCS, there was a two and a half page article about fantasy play by play in Sports Illustrated, written by a friend of mine, Ben Torres, who was the oh, editor wow. of Rolling Stone. Um, but I worked with him in radio in San Francisco. And so there's this two and a half page article in Sports Illustrated with a color photograph with the Bud Light neon sign right in the middle of the color photograph. Mm -hmm. And then the next week in the world series, the A's were in the world series. And another article about fantasy play by play came out half page in time magazine. And again, color photo with a Bud Light neon sign in the middle. So the Mm -hmm. next year Budweiser fantasy play by play was in, uh, seven ballparks across the country. And then, over the next three years, I did 14 major league stadiums. Um, so this is from 1987 to 2000. 14 uh, major league baseball stadiums, four NBA arenas, three NHL arenas. Um, and then we started doing fan festivals were a brand new thing. Major League Baseball called and said, can you do your thing that you do at the ballpark? <laughs> can you do that at our fan festival? I said, what's a fan festival? Oh, we're doing this baseball theme park for the All-Star game. and So fans Uh can feel like they're part of the action. So can you do your thing there? I'm like, uh, like with Andy Dolich, I'm like, sure. You let fans announce the last at bat of the game, a Mm -hmm. a game winning hit or something famous moment, Hank Mm -hmm. Aaron, 715th home run that beats Babe Ruth. One of those things. Um, and I did that for the, for for the fan festival and that exploded on me. I ended up doing baseball all-star game for 10 years. The, uh, NBA All Star game for over a decade, the Super Bowl uh, NFL draft, worked with the NFL for 16 years, toured with ESPN. I mean, that just so that was 20 years of fantasy play by play. And when that all just came to its own natural conclusion, it was pop culture. No, you know, someone else is paying for it. (laughs) Everyone loves it, but when they have to pay for it, they're like, "Eh." and I didn't know how to run a business. I was a radio guy, (laughs) Uh, you know. And so um, after that, then Golf Smarter started when that ended.
1: That's cool. That's wow. Uh, lots of uh, really, really unique experiences. It sounds like, yeah,
0: yeah. Um, I, it was awesome. I would travel all year long, going to ballparks, going to ball games. My friends would hate me. I'm like, I, you know, because I would come back with stories like, "Oh, I was yeah. in Seattle for Randy Johnson's no hitter this <laughs> week. Oh, I was just in Baltimore the day after." Um, Cal Ripken broke the, the Ironman yeah, record. Oh, I was it, mm-hmm. in St. Louis for Mark McGuire's 63rd home run, you know. So, yeah, I had great stories, great time. <laughs> um, raising two boys who, uh, you know, were sports fans, came mm-hmm. home with memorabilia and all kinds of great swag for them. So it was great. Yeah,
1: how special, how special. It was wonderful. Um, so you said one of your sons went to golf camp uh, when he was yeah. 12. Um, did they both get into it and no. uh, continue with it? <laughs> no. no. Um,
0: so my older son never really showed much interest for golf, which mm-hmm. is a shame because he's got great hand-eye coordination, and every time he goes out, like once every four or five years maybe with us, you yeah. know, he doesn't touch a golf, and he'll, he can hit the ball really well. My younger one, who was the one that turned me on to it, um, ended up, Getting bored with it. It was just way too slow for him.
1: Mm-hmm. He was the kind mm-hmm. of kid could
0: who couldn't stand Little League. It just everything was too slow. He needed quick, okay. quick, quick, quick.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And so um he just stopped playing and I continued playing. And now he's in uh the financial world and golf is a big part of his work. Mm. Um, and he gets yeah. treated to some of the best golf courses in the country and in the world. He because, you know, he yeah, he works in with mm-hmm. colleagues that are like let me treat you to this because you're bringing business to me and so, right, right. and so now he's like why didn't you make me play golf more when i was a kid i'd be so much better i'm like i couldn't make you do anything you're, you're, right, you're on your right. own so he was um he, he now is obsessed as his father is in the game mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. that's cool i uh i grew up in Alabama and uh, I remember my my dad's dad my grand grandpa granddaddy would watch golf on TV um, and it was the strangest thing to my brother and, and me that somebody would actually watch the slow-moving sport um, yeah. and uh, as Absolutely. we got into high school um, see I graduated high school in 98 so uh, I think Tigers First Masters was '96, uh, where he kind of jumped on the scene and just blew everybody out, and so it was a sweet, sweet time to see somebody emerging uh, yeah, that was just dominating, and so it made it a lot more compelling to uh, to watch for us. So we would we would play around uh, with my grandfather's old old clubs, but you know I played soccer and basketball in high school, considered myself pretty athletic, but I could never, never get a, a consistent good swing. Didn't put in the time to do that either, but you know that's a, a relatively steep learning curve for um, uh, for the sport. But always enjoyed being on the course. Um, so yeah, twenty twenty one, we're uh, we're trying to find something to do besides going hiking uh, to do something outside. And uh, one of the resorts around here was offering fling golf. Had no clue what that was, and uh, the four of us went out and really, really enjoyed it. Um, okay. And, uh, and then it emerged as, uh, something, I think pre pandemic, they were, um, looking to start building and having a tournament, uh, and we able to pull the trigger on that, um, this past May of, uh, of 22, uh, in Delaware. Yeah. And, uh, so well, it was close awesome. enough for me to drive and figure out, all right, is this, is this something that, you know, I, I'm not gonna be professional with, but I can be competitive, um, and, and try that out. And it's been, uh, it's been a fun ride.
0: Awesome. Um, yeah, as far as watching golf on TV, I mean, two, I think two of the biggest things that happened in the last 30 plus years, whatever it is, uh, Tiger Woods um, mm-hmm. was huge in, in attracting new audience because golf is probably the best sport when it comes to parody, right? Mm. People, you know, people are always searching for parody where everyone has a fair chance. right? You know, the viewing public really loves dynasties they don't Mm -hmm. love parody parody is kind of boring so when you have a dynasty you you either have someone to love or someone to hate Mm -hmm. right new york yankees are a good example of that right absolutely and when when the dynasty is even if they've been you know part of the parody for a long time if mm-hmm. they get to rear their head at all, and this is a good example of what happened to the New York Yankees this in 2022, uh, you know we had a player who dominated the, sp- mm-hmm. the headlines the mm-hmm. sport and, um, and the Yankees seemed like the team to beat and they, they got beat. but we loved mm-hmm. it that they got beat, right, right. So with Tiger right. Woods, you had a charismatic um, African-American which mm-hmm. also was unique, but he was lovable. Right, and so yeah. everybody loved to love Tiger, and so it generated a tremendous amount of interest on TV, which was a great thing for the sport. But then, you know, the Tiger effect dropped, and people stopped playing again. And the other thing that was mm-hmm. huge for for um, golf was COVID. I mean, it's interesting that you guys, yeah. where everyone was discovering golf during COVID, you discovered fling golf. I find that fascinating. That mm-hmm. you know, it was the two the two biggest industries. Uh, or let me say that the two mm-hmm. industries that exploded during COVID seemed to be golf and podcasting, and I was lucky to be right. part of both <laughs> of those. <laughs> uh, but the other thing about TV, the thing that I think helped uh, make golf so much fun on television now is the top tracer being able to see the ball high. Oh, right? Because right? Mm-hmm. it's always, in the past, as you were saying, it's just a picture of a ball in the middle of the air, and you can't tell where the ball's going. You don't understand right. about a draw or a fade, and you see this ball in middle of the air. But then when they started putting the top trace, he's like, oh, that's what that means when he's hitting right. a draw. That's right. why it looks like it's always going off to the right when he hits the ball. It's like, why is it doing that? So yeah. they golf got really good yeah. on television, and it's really mm-hmm. fast-paced, even though golf isn't. Golf television is very fast-paced. right? And, you know, uh, as, as Barney Adams of uh, Adams Golf has been on Golf Smarter many times and said, PGA is nothing more than a TV show. It really is. Mm, so, mm, interesting. You can't argue. Interesting. Yeah.
1: <laughs> and we will be right back after this message from our sponsor. And now back to the future of the Fairway podcast. So uh, somehow, I, I don't know what the connection was, um, that the guys at New Swarm who produced the Fling Stick, um, they had they connected with somebody at ESPN and were able to get the May twenty two tournament filmed, Great. and then they uh, they put a thirty minute episode out during uh, the Ocho in August um, when ESPN runs all the you know unique or weird or crazy sports. Um, so that you know that was a big draw to get people to to attend. It was like hey, you could be on Great. ESPN. Um, but uh, but it was interesting to take two days of events and squish it down to thirty minutes. I wasn't involved in the production, but I've talked with uh, one of the guys at New Swarm who, who did that, and it's just you know it's it's editing, right? And it's how do you how do you create a narrative? How do you uh, how do you put that out there? Um, I guess you know there's drama from a, a final day uh, of um, of a tournament that you can you can have if if people are close or if somebody's uh, well ahead. Um, so that was that was a, an interesting piece for um, for us as a, a new sport uh, to see what that was uh, going to uh, going to be like, um, and then uh, ESPN is committed to filming the San Diego tournament into February as well. So, uh, that's that's uh, pretty pretty exciting to, to see what that is. Get get more eyes. The um, I think the other thing I, I like to um, I like to note to folks that um, so we played at the beginning of May in twenty one for the first time. And it was at the end of that month that uh, uh, the Flink Stick guys showed up on um, Shark Tank. Oh, so that wow. was kind of one of the big moments for them was to to get featured. They had been scheduled to, I think, record sometime in April of 2020. Weren't able to do so, so it got pushed back. Um, but then their episode aired end of the month in May, so... Got a lot of eyeballs. Uh, made it a lot easier for us when we were going out on a course to say, well, what's that? I was like, well, you heard a Shark Tank, right? They were on it. It kind of gave it some legitimacy um, among people who were looking at, like, well, that's not a golf club. So, no, it's not. But it's it keeps me in the fairway. I, 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 Regardless of how great the golf club products are, and I see Callaway's got some new ones out there, um, among others. Um, yeah. And I'm like, that's never going to help me <laughs> <laughs> to stay in the fairway but i you know i can get 180 200 yards off the tee box with a fling stick and wow. and stay in the in the fairway and that's um that's exciting because all of a sudden golf courses are not only fun to be out there but there's a an aspect of uh competitiveness that i can you know i can reach some greens in two and have a chance at a birdie that i would never you know an 18 with golf traditional golf clubs would it, it would be more, yeah, I'm going could. to be out there for friends. I need to play in a scramble. I yeah, um, need to play best ball. <laughs>
0: <laughs> you, could. you could. I, I mean, I, that's one of the things about my podcast that blows me away is that I'm, I'm there trying to get lessons from people. I'm there interviewing mm-hmm. people because I have a lot of questions. I have the right equipment, um, the right training. But I, I want to I get better. I want to know what I'm doing wrong with my game. And so mm. I ask a mm-hmm. lot of questions about that. And it connects with people. I guess they're eavesdropping on my phone calls about these lessons. <laughs> and so um, I, I'll get emails from people all over the world. And I keep thinking, yeah, am I done here? Am I, and I get an email going, mm-hmm. I just discovered you. And I'm real. I'm going back through your library and listening to all the episodes and got an email yesterday. This is the first five years of listening to Golf Smarter. uh, My index went down more than the previous 25 years of playing. Wow. Yeah, that's exactly how I responded. So I'm motivated for, you know, two different things here. The motivation Mm -hmm. is I'm really enjoying it. I have fun with it. It allows me to keep creating. Uh, and then the feedback mm-hmm, that I get, mm-hmm. the community that's been built, has been really remarkable. I've really loved that part. Didn't anticipate
1: you. You mentioned uh, just a bit a bit ago one of um, one of the guys you've had on several times. Have you had? Is there a, a group of three, four, or five people that kind of come back every every few months uh, or every every year yeah, or two? To, yeah, to check in? yeah. There are
0: people that I like to bring back on a regular basis. There's a lot of people that I do once and then forget that I should bring them back because they were so good Um, (laughs) and uh, Jim Waldron, Balance Point Golf has been on numerous times Um, Mm -hmm. also uh, Joe Parent Zen Golf has been on many times a lot of mental game coaches that have come back, Josh Zander who coaches it he teaches at Stanford University's golf course he's not a Stanford professor but he teaches golf at their golf course Mm -hmm. He's been on the show many times. Um, and then there's people that with crazy stories that I love to bring on. Um, I, the last couple years during the Masters, I've had Bobby Jones' grandson, Dr. Bob Jones. Um, who oh, I, oh, cool. I, yeah, and he has great stories, and we'll bring him back. Uh, there was one teacher that we had on um, for at least probably 12 or 13 times. And every time he was on, I got more emails from people saying, "All right, this teacher, I want to know more about. I this teacher I love. He really connected oh, wow. with me. I love his method. I love his teaching, and he was um, he he was the uh, coach of uh, College of the Desert down in Palm Palm Springs, Palm Desert, the hmm. community mm-hmm. college there. He was coach of their their golf team for twenty nine years, and they won the regional championship mm. twenty eight of those twenty nine years." They won a national championship. Wow! Yeah, um, he was a remarkable instructor and a great guy who was mm-hmm. really his name was Tony Manzoni, and he, Tony um, mm-hmm. was in 2018 he died. Uh, he was in his 80s when he mm-hmm. did, passed away, and he was not internet savvy. He, he didn't get it. He, you know, he wrote a book, mm-hmm. but it fell out of print. Made a video, but ran out of copies. You know, he was selling DVDs and mm-hmm. hardbacks. And But I kept every time he was on. I would get more emails saying, put me in touch with him. I've had listeners fly mm-hmm, from mm-hmm. the East Coast to Palm Springs to take lessons with him. And so wow. uh, after he passed, we created a uh, charity fund f- in his memory for the first tee of Coachella Valley, where he was living.
1: Oh, nice.
0: Um, he, this is a guy who, in the 60s, um, was just – he was PGA Tour quality golfer and getting ready to do it, and moved down okay. to Palm Springs and got hooked into the Rat Pack. Frank Sinatra, Joey Bishop, Dean Martin. And started partying yeah. a little too hard for a professional golfer. Uh, fell out of the tour, wow. but wow. made some amazing friends, tells stories about Frank Sinatra being the godfather <laughs> to his daughter. Um, tells, Told a wow. great story about wow. Sinatra coming to his house for dinner and his his uh, mom he's like called his mom, mom you, you got to make you got to make your spaghetti and send yeah, it to me i'll yeah. tell you later why and she's like no what why, why? And She just send me your spaghetti make it <laughs> so he served the spaghetti to frank sinatra and sinatra's like oh my god these are the best meatballs i've ever had in my life who you did an incredible job and he goes, frank i gotta be honest it was my mom get her on the phone so he's like what <laughs> So he call He goes, "Mom, um, the meatballs are a big success, and the person who's eating them here, he wants to say thank you." So Sinatra takes a phone. And says, Mrs. Manzoni, this is Frank Sinatra. Oh, Frankie! Tony said, "Growing up, there were two pictures on the wall in his house. Growing up, Jesus Christ and Frank Sinatra." Frank- And he's like, oh, my God, these meatballs are incredible. You have to give me the recipe. And she's like, nope. No, 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 come on. I I need this recipe. She goes, Frank, I love you to to the end of the world, but you're never getting my recipe. (laughs) So anyway, Tony Manzoni um, was so popular and created such a reaction on the show that uh, every year since his passing – uh, in March and April, I run every one of the episodes to kick off the golf season.
1: Oh, And
0: cool. we do that on our sister podcast. So I have two bi- podcasts. Actually, Golf Smarter okay. is new content every week and has been. But I mm-hmm. realized a number of years ago that Apple, who's the main distributor of all the podcasts, and then mm-hmm. they distribute it to everybody else, they only keep about 250, maybe 300 episodes of any podcast. Um, oh, okay. Which makes sense because most podcasts are not evergreen; uh, they're they're mm-hmm. timely. Mm-hmm. You know, they're like based on right. the time of what's going on. People are mostly, especially golf, mm-hmm. talking about the next <laughs> tournament or the last tournament, uh, or what the betting line is on the next tournament or the last <laughs> tournament. Um, but evergreen content is, like I said, episode number one is just as valid today as it was in mm-hmm. two thousand five because the mental game is the mental game, you know, and it's going to help anytime. Mm-hmm. So um, I realized since those, that I had 500 episodes that aren't being heard anymore, that are still have valuable content. Oh, I launched wow. an, a second podcast and went through the audience. And we decided on the name golf, smarter Mulligans second, second time for free. Oh, okay, yeah. So we bring back. So I started those. So now I'm up to um, coming up to episode what, it's 100, episode 194 of Golf Smarter Mulligans, but it's bringing back episode 299, because I'm skipping some that are dated, that aren't good, sure, that sure, aren't relevant yeah. to instruction. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, so I'm still up, up to episode 300. I still have 500 episodes out there that a lot of them have never been heard before. And some of them I had mm-hmm. from 2009 to 2016. I had a members-only site that i was putting out content weekly every Mm -hmm. other week that was not available to the public so now i'm releasing those and they've never been heard before so uh yeah so march and april of this year will once again be the spring spring into the season with tony manzoni so we'll do 12 or 13 episodes um, of march and april with tony manzoni bringing him back and promoting the charity and his video and his book is now. After he died, the author of the book and I got together with his uh, his widow and mm-hmm. convinced her that the book needs to be out, and it's now available on Kindle. Um, and the video is available. Great. His video is now only available through my website. So.
1: Oh, sweet. Well, we'll, we'll be. I'll be sure to uh, grab those links. Uh, to golfsmarter.com as well as uh, others to point people in the the direction golf smarter to, and golf smarter. Uh, to take advantage absolutely. of those, sure. That's really awesome. cool. That's Thank really you. cool. Um, last question: What are you looking forward to in twenty twenty three? Either from your po- podcast or the golf season, um, or any uh, any guests that you have coming up.
0: Well, the, at my age, the wish for every year is survival. Um. And for the, you know, I'm just really excited about, uh, I'm going to the PGA merchandise shows we talked about. That's happening in mm-hmm, January. Mm-hmm. In June, I'm going back to Bandon Dunes for the first time since 2000, i oh. there in 2009. So I'm going to go mm-hmm. play there for a couple days. And um, yeah, you got me. Play golf wherever I can, however <laughs> how often I can. Um, I ended I ended my golf year P- with the, with the, my lowest handicap that I've ever had, never anticipating ever that I'd be a single digit handicap golfer. Um, uh, but congrats! Some, That's something great. connected this year, and I ended the year mm-hmm. way lower than I ever anticipated. And if I'm even near that at the end of 2023, I'll be shocked.
1: I'm, That's cool. Yeah. I, I was going to say PGA Show and uh, and Dunes are. Not bad uh, highlights to, yeah, <laughs> to be to looking look forward, forward to. to. That's, Absolutely. That's really cool. Absolutely. That's really cool. Well, Fred, thanks so much for your time. Uh, this has been oh, great Adam, talking with you. I
0: enjoyed speaking with you. Always like talking about me because I never get to do it on my <laughs> podcast. At least I try not to.
1: <laughs> I, I know how that goes. It's uh, It was uh, it was great. It was fascinating to hear about that. I can't wait to go pick up some of those uh, uh, episodes um, uh, on Mulligans uh, as well as others uh, yeah, it should be a lot of fun, especially for any um, any courses that uh, our audience may may want to try to find to see if that would be a, a fun course for Fling Golf or not. Yeah. yeah. Thanks so much. I hope you have a, a great rest of your day and a great 2023.
0: Thanks so much, Adam. Enjoyed being with you.
1: Once again, many thanks to Fred Green for joining me today. Uh, Fred, I really appreciate your generosity and graciousness in uh, signing up and being a guest on The Future of the Fairway. Uh, And for everybody who listened, I hope you got a lot out of it. And I hope you're pointed to another golf podcast that you can listen to, uh, learn about, and better shape your game uh, as you're getting ready for fling golf, um, whether it's the San Diego tournament uh, or Delaware or Colorado, or New England, or Virginia. We've got a fantastic World League Fling Go- Golf Tour this year in 2023. Uh, from the airing of this, we are. Whew, about a week and a half away from the San Diego Open. Um, If you've not registered for that, do that ASAP. Uh, If you're able to get to San Diego on Tuesday or Wednesday or Thursday to get some practice rounds in prior to the tournament, get there on Friday to play with a pro. Saturday's the individual tournament, and Sunday is the team tournament. There's all kinds of awesome prizes that are going to be awarded. Uh, Kudos to... Jake Islandhopper Anderson for doing such a great job, a phenomenal job in getting this up and going. Uh, as someone who uh, co-directed and co-organized uh, a foot golf tournament, I can fully appreciate how much uh, effort uh, and time and resources go into it. So let's uh, all give a big thanks uh, to the Island Islandhopper, um, but throw some trash talk his way too. Uh, he's definitely one that can give it and take it just as well. So with that, we'll have um, one more episode uh, airing next week prior to uh, the San Diego Open. uh, And then we've got some additional great episodes on the way afterwards. Thanks again for tuning in. Happy flinging.